Um, we have a quick announcement. Um, our, uh, as you heard prayed about, uh, we lost a member of our church recently. Or rather, she graduated to Gloria Elaine Bean, uh, affectionately known as Nana. And I won't say too much about her because she actually made it into the sermon. <laughs> and you'll hear a little bit more about her at the end. Um, but we have been preaching through 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're in chapter 3, page 5 of your bulletin. Um, let me say a prayer, and then we'll read the, read the word. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for Elaine, uh, Nana. Thank you for her life and the way it's impacted all of us. And even as we draw our attention now to your word and think about what it looks like to live faithfully, uh, to live lives that glorify you, to love you with all our hearts. Father, we remember the way that uh, Nana did that. And we thank you for the example that she leaves behind. Father, we pray that you would bless this word. We pray that you would speak to us by your spirit. Uh, we recognize that you are present here with us, and so we pray that we would be attentive to what you say. We ask in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, this is the whole chapter beginning in verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone amongst, among you thinks he, he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, 
whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. This is the word of the Lord. Um, So our passage today really centers on Christian maturity. Christian maturity. What does it look like to be a builder or a baby in the faith? Those are the topics that Paul's addressing in this chapter. Paul talks about ministry like building, the language of building. And for Paul, you're either building or you're not building. Ministry for Paul is the way that the Christian serves in every aspect of his life. Uh, It's the way he serves at work or at home or in his or her friendships or when he's by himself. And the question to the Corinthian church is, are you a builder or are you a baby? For us, uh, there are two big temptations when we hear this. We can either react and think, I need to get it all together right now. (laughs) We need to get all our ducks in a row and appear as quote-unquote professional Christians. So that is one temptation. Uh, The other temptation is to be uh, flippant with our faith and with the Word of God, to not take care how we build and to not use good materials in building. So in this passage, Paul is calling a church of sinners to repentance. He's calling a church of infants to maturity And he says the way this maturity will happen is neither by being a professional nor being flippant, but trusting God as you faithfully build. So Christian maturity is developed as you faithfully build day to day. So I'm going to look at three points related to Christian maturity, and they all start with B's. You have to forgive me for these. Um, Master the basics, build with care, And three, build, neither big league nor baby. All right, so let's start with Master of the Basics. Our passage opens with a a fairly strong rebuke from the Apostle Paul, verses 1 and 2. He says, you are infants in Christ, not spiritual people, and I need to feed you with milk. How would you feel if Paul said this to you? You're not spiritual people, infants in Christ, and you're not ready for meat. You need milk. Um, Well, let's remember that the Corinthian church at this time had a lot of problems. Uh, There were divisions that existed in the church, and we talked about those in chapter 1. They're referenced here in verse 4. There were particular factions. Some followed Paul, some followed Apollos. In chapter 1, some followed Cephas, and others followed Christ. Um, So basic Christianity is what? So that we have one foundation, Jesus Christ, period. Basic Christianity. Um, So then what is the milk of Christianity? What's the solid food of Christianity? Well, if Jesus is the foundation in verses uh, 10 and 11, no one else can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, then the milk of the gospel is what you get when you first come to faith, infants in Christ. Now, um, maybe all of this feels pedantic to you if you've been a Christian for a while, to even consider the possibility of uh, being an infant in Christ. 
Um, but here's how you know if you're an infant, and, and it's the same way Paul is discerning the heart of the Corinthian church here. Uh, Paul's looking at the fruit or the lack of fruit. So what is the fruit? Well, in the Corinthian church at this time, it was a division, discord, sexual immorality, and false teaching. <laughs> that was the uh, fruit. And there's an apparent lack of spiritual fruit, or what we call fruit of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, so personal questions to assess, am I an infant in Christ? Is there love in my life? What about joy? Am I a joyful person? Am I patient with people? Do I have peace, both with God and with my neighbor? Do others think that I am kind? Am I gentle with people who hurt me? Do I seek to do good? Can I control my body and my mind? So Paul looks at the fruit, and when he sees the lack of growth to the Corinthian church, he says, aha, back to the basics. You need milk. So the basics, the milk of the faith, is the foundation of Christ. It's the gospel. The gospel. The gospel is that you were once dead in your sins and the trespasses that once you once walked, but God has made you alive through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not your doing. It is the gift of God that no one may boast. So I'll tell a short story about the need for milk in our faith. Um, when I left for seminary, I was actually, uh, I guess this was uh, 2011, I was actually a member of this church in college. And when I left, um, I never expected to come back to Pittsburgh. And I thought to myself, I really want to try a church that is different than this church, because I don't know where the Lord's going to put me, and I want to be able to minister to wherever He puts me. And so I went to a church um, that was this very uh, suburban church, kind of tucked away in St. Louis, and uh, it was full of really wonderful people, kind people who loved Jesus, but they kind of stuck to their area of the suburb. So this is a city church. We're very different. Um, we have people from all over greater Pittsburgh and in the city joining us. Um, but the pastor there was a great pastor, um, but not the greatest preacher. <laughs> and I often felt uh, when I left those sermons feeling like I was missing the gospel. Uh, well, three years go by, uh, and I'm in seminary. And you know, in seminary, you spend all day uh, studying wonderful truths. You know, you're learning Greek, you're learning Hebrew, you're learning about the Word of God, and yet, I was feeling dry. I was feeling dry. And at the end of the three years, at that time, I was married to my wife, Camden, and um, we were figuring out what church we would attend as a married couple, and I recognized that while I was faithful in those three years going to that church, and I believe it was good, I did indeed miss the gospel. I felt dry. Um, so please hear this. I was swimming 
in a sea of doctrine, but I needed the milk of the faith. Only that milk could quench my thirst. Uh, We all need the gospel, and we need it regularly. You know, growing up, right, they say drink your milk, it makes your bones strong, but you don't stop drinking milk in adulthood. Uh, We need it throughout our life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you think that you're beyond the basics? Do you think that you do not need to be reminded again of the gospel? We all need a regular glass of milk. Second, do you think you have the basics and yet you lack the fruit of the Spirit? If you think you get the gospel and yet you lack love or joy or patience or kindness or any of these fruits, we go back to the milk. We go back to the gospel. We meditate on it yet again. We talk about it with a friend. I'd encourage you to join a community group to live out the gospel. Uh, Thirdly, are you behaving daily in your life in a human way or a spiritual way? Um, In your ministry, is your ministry about uh, you or about God? So uh, Paul, the greatest apostle in this text, was able to say the words, what is Paul? Who is Paul? A servant. That's all. It's God that gives the growth. In your ministry, in your relationships, in your families, do you see through the eyes of the Spirit or only as through the eyes of man? If so, go back to the gospel. Part of uh, Christian maturity is beginning to see every part of your life through the lens of your faith. All right, so we discussed the basics of the faith. I want to move uh, on to how we build. This is my second point. We take care as we build. Uh, So there's a very uh, beautiful and helpful image in our text of ministry, uh, and it looks like this. If Jesus is the foundation, and that foundation is already established, then anyone after who's building after that foundation is building upon it. They're building upon the foundation of Jesus. In verse 7, Paul and Apollos are servants who plant and water, but it is God that gives the growth. So the first lesson we learn is that as we go out into our lives, whether it's as students or as doctors or as laborers or sons or daughters or parents or wherever God has placed you in ministry, your job is to plant and to water plant into water. That is all you do. That's all I do. You plant a seed here, you water it there. Maybe in this relationship over here, you planted a seed. Maybe it, maybe it was like this. You did that scary thing of letting this person know that you're a believer. Maybe that was just the seed. And so now they have a context to understand you, why you act the way you act. Um, Maybe uh, you shared the gospel with your family, you know, years ago, and uh, you want to come back to it, and so you water that seed. You check in with your family. You ask them about their faith or their lack of faith. There's many, many different ways we minister. They're vast, uh, but whether it's in word or deed, we do two things. We plant and water, but God gives the growth. Now, this this truth should actually free you uh, tremendously. 
you should breathe a sign of relief. Why? Uh, because God will not judge you, uh, or sorry, let's just say God will judge you not by how much harvest there is, not by how much uh, you produce, um, but by your labor. Verse 8, your wages are received according to your labor. So what does this mean? Well, it means that I don't know if my sharing of my faith, my planting or watering is going to actually produce anything. But it really doesn't matter because it is God who gives the growth. You are just to be faithful with the opportunities of labor that he puts in front of you. Now, the beautiful image of labor he puts before us is this, building materials, verse 12. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. He says the day will disclose them as it's revealed by fire. Now, at first, this may sound like a a confusing picture, uh, but it's really a wonderful picture. So first, what burns? What burns? Well, uh, wood, hay, and straw. Those things burn. Um, But what does not burn is gold, silver, and stones. So Paul is saying that as you build on the foundation, which is Christ, you are either building with good material or bad material. And you'll know it in the final day, which is the final judgment. One day it will either remain or it'll burn up. A Christian can be a Christian and teach incorrect doctrine. That can happen. I mean, I disagree for example, with my Methodist brothers. Uh, But one day, the fire is going to reveal it, right? And they are still what? My brothers. My brothers. Brothers can minister poorly, can't they? Ministering with wood or hay or straw. For example, how many uh, Lord bless your heart comments will remain when the fire comes? (laughs) Maybe some. Some probably. Uh, But we can be sloppy in how we minister. We can say things we don't really mean. We can fail to follow up. We can be careless in handling the word of God. Now this is Paul's point in verse 10. He says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. We take care how we build. I want you to think about your lives. Think about your ministry, the, the ministry God has given you uniquely. Think about those areas of influence you have, the relationships God's blessed you with. I want you to think about your neighbor, maybe your literal neighbor, maybe your neighbor in the office or your neighbor on the bus or at the gym. I want you to think about your families. Think about your personal times of prayer, of reading scripture. Think about those you're praying for. Think about those you serve. Think about those who are suffering and grieving. Take all that together and answer this question. Are you building with gold, precious stones, and silver? Or are you building with wood, hay, and straw? Is there care in how you build? Are you careful with the gold leaf as you form it? Are you gentle? Do you understand this? That the silver you're working with is very precious. Do you feel the weight of these stones and their value? Or when you minister, is it wood to you? 
You know, some wood can look very nice, but it won't last. It won't last the way a stone house would last. Or maybe it's hay. I learned the difference uh, between hay and straw when I worked with horses. Um, horses eat hay, not straw. Uh, hay still has green to it. Uh, there's nutritional value in hay, but certainly a weak building material. And at home, we have chickens, and straw is what my chickens poop on. So how would you evaluate your care and ministry? Uh, one passage that comes to my mind is 1 Peter 1.7, and it says this. It says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, though that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is your faith precious to you like gold? Or is it like wood, hay, and straw? Are your times of prayer with the Lord, your love of the Lord, your knowledge of the Lord and of his word valuable to you like gold? Or is it something to be tossed aside? Paul's encouragement for us is that how we build matters. Doctrine matters. Knowing what the Bible says matters. Understanding how to be a good reader of the Bible matters. Now look, Paul gives a lot of time in this chapter to this picture of ministry, uh, of building with care. But uh, maybe right now, as I continue on this, you feel guilty. <laughs> maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe the Spirit is revealing areas of weakness or lack of care, and the, the temptation for us, remember, is to either professionalize ministry or to trivialize ministry. And thankfully, Paul goes on, and this is our third point, our third point is this, build, build. Neither big league nor baby, and I'll explain that. So I was trying to get words that I'll start with B for your memory. Uh, verses 16 to 23, destroy the belief that I either have to be a professional uh, in ministry or that I'll be perpetually stuck as an infant, a baby. So neither big league nor baby. What does Paul propose in this last section? He proposes uh, wisdom that is folly to the world. So what is that? Well, let's consider the context. Um, what does Paul do with a church caught in division in sexual immorality and false teaching? He could do a lot of different things that would probably not be helpful. He could blow the whistle, you know? Everyone out of the pool. You're all done. He could condemn everyone and say they are not Christians and that they should give up. Uh, he can minimize their sin and hope that maybe something better will happen in the future. So all of these are horrible ideas. He doesn't do them. Um, but what Paul does is to allow and even encourage real Christians struggling with sin to at the same time repent of their sin while continuing in ministry. So let me say it another way. Their sin does not prohibit them from ministry. Now, certainly we use the wisdom of God and there are appropriate times or situations where someone should step down from ministry because of particular sins. But if we only let people minister who never sinned, we would have no one to serve. All God's builders, his workers, his servants are sinners. And yet, he chooses them. So, do you feel like you cannot contribute much in church or ministry until you are sinless, until your life's in order? 
If so, you'll never serve and you'll perpetually be stuck as a baby in the faith. On the other side, do you minimize your sin and therefore trivialize or fail to build the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God with care of one who builds with gold, silver, or precious stones. If, you're, if you lack care, one day it's all going to burn up. It won't last. So this would be folly to the world, wouldn't, wouldn't it? I mean, if we were, um, or rather I should say, we are, right, a society of professionals. It's kind of how our world works. You go to a professional if you have you know, something medical that needs to be taken care of, or this other professional if you have writer's block, or this other professional if you need your car worked on. And it's good and it's fine. It's the way our world works, but it's not the way that God works. God chooses to use you and me in the work of ministry. We're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. We're going to mess up. We're, we are not professionals. But what matters to God are two things, that we minister and that we do it with care. Remember, you are judged not for your harvest, but for your labor. So let me show you it another way. God is growing and changing you into caring ministers as you minister. I know this is true in my life. Um, when I uh, started ministry after seminary, I felt like a like a bull in a china shop. And now I feel kind of like a large donkey in a china shop. Uh, I still feel awkward, but we're getting better. Now, in reality, I've been very thankful for the way that God has shaped me through ministry. God is shaping all of us, and he's changing all of us as we continue to labor. Uh, so I want to conclude by considering Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus was not a professional. He was uh, studied, he learned, uh, he gave himself to the scriptures, but he was a carpenter, or more literally in the Greek, a builder. He was the son of a builder. But this builder came and he laid the foundation. He came to proclaim the gospel, the good news of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in him. Jesus built with care. Not one word of the gospels is written without care. Not one word of Jesus' ministry was done without care. But perhaps the greatest encouragement we have from Christ is that he did all of this without any concern of himself. He was always about his father's business. Brothers and sisters, verse 22 says that all are yours. All are yours. If we give our lives to ministry now, we lose nothing because we will be forever with Jesus. We will have eternity to dwell on the beauty of the mountains or the majesty of the sea. We'll have forever to enjoy all of God's creation and his goodness. Yet most of all, we will have God himself. You are Christ's, and Christ's is God's. The most mature response we can have as we minister in this life is a life oriented around the will of Jesus. When we wake up, we think, what does Jesus have for me to do today? When we go to sleep, we rest in the peace of Christ. It's wisdom, it's the wisdom of God, it's folly to the world, but, but for, for the believer, it's life and joy and peace. All right, this is where I was gonna end my sermon, um, but I thought it appropriate to just reflect on a minute of 
someone who was a great builder amongst us. And that was Nana. When I um, first started ministry here, uh, Nana was one of the first people to join in starting this evening service. Uh, She was really quick to serve. Uh, I'm going to try to get through this without crying. (laughs) She was really quick to serve. She was always present. And she was always seeking the least, uh, the most, the person who was in the corner, the person who wasn't, um, who felt awkward in church or was new. Uh, She was an example for me of a builder. Um, Many of you may not know that she suffered uh, the loss of her husband uh, far before he should have died. And um, rather than dissuade her or make uh, her depressed, um, she continued building. She continued trusting the Lord. She was faithful. Uh, Matt mentioned this morning that she was a uh, grandmother to us all. And she did it in such a humble way. So I'm thankful for the life uh, of Nana. I'm thankful for uh, her example. And although I am sad, I'm also uh, a joyful in that the end of these words are this. You are Christ's. Christ is God's. And Nana knows that fully. Let's pray.